0: in Kansas. I can't slow down and I can't stand it. Broadcast news into hallelujah. Hannah Darboven had a great idea. Make a list, write it down, shave your head, draw a crown, move back home with mom and dad. The pool is drained and they're not there. Welcome to the Hive for this podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, There are three albums I want to talk about this week. The first of which we're listening to now is I Am Easy to Find by The National. This album accompanies a short film by Mike Mills, who's a director, obviously. The movie is black and white with annotations, and laced throughout it is music by The National. Now, it's not a one to one relationship. The album contains way more music than the movie. And the movie was constructed with sort of half-finished national music while they were working on this record. They gave Mike Mills half-finished songs, ideas, as part of their process. Mike Mills came back to them with sketches of what he thought the movie was going to be, and they both really informed each other. The movie stars Alicia Vikander. I guess stars is... She's the main character. Uh, She was in Ex Machina and Tomb Raider. She's Swedish. And is actually Michael Fassbender's wife. The song we heard in the intro, Not in Kansas, is also not in the movie. The National were in town recently at the Beacon Theater where this film was shown... They had a Q&A with the director, Mike Mills, that was actually moderated by Julian Baker. And then The National performed the entire album with a number of guests, including the Brooklyn Youth Chorus. And there's a number of female vocalists that appear on the record that were also present um, at that concert. The National does not live in Brooklyn anymore. I remember several epic concerts. I saw them play in New York, and it was always a sense of pride that they were from here. A lot of them lived out in Ditmas Park on the um, southeast corner of Prospect Park. Last time I saw the National, I think was Prospect Park in twenty fifteen, and this show i think was ticketed there are a number of people i know that couldn't get in so after the show we all met up at 12th street burger bar in park slope which is a kind of an innocuous place there's an annex in the back that is a bar and while we were there the national walked in you know after their show which was pretty wild this was not too long after uh, mistaken for strangers the documentary they had released about their touring life A lot of the footage was shot by Tom Berninger, who's Matt Berninger's brother. And Karen Besser, who we knew from the film, was also there at the 12th Street Burger Bar. But she also lends some lyrics to this new album. The new album, I like. I'm just absorbing it this weekend and really starting to like it. This, This movie... It, at first, it didn't make a lot of sense to me what was happening or why it was happening. And by the end, I became a big fan of the entire project. So glad I watched it. I hope you watch it. I've linked to it on highforthis.com. You can find it on YouTube. I am easy to find. It's about 25 minutes. Definitely worth checking out. And like I said, the, the national spread all over the world now. Brian Devendorf moved back to Ohio, the the, the drummer, the bass player, is living on the North Fork up Long Island, that's Scott Devendorf. Matt Berninger took his family to LA, and the Desners are kind of all over the world. Aaron spends half of his time upstate, the album cover of Sleep Well Beast is the Barn studio where they've recorded the last couple records. He spends half his time there and the other half in Denmark. His wife is Danish. And I believe his wife's sister is married to James Murphy of LCD Sound System fame. And she's a designer who also designed the Four Horsemen bar. That's the wine bar, James Murphy's wine bar on Grand and Havemeyer in Williamsburg. Has never not been packed every single time I've walked by it every night of the week since it opened. It's also, I don't know, it's not a tiny space, but it's compact. And I've always felt like I would be a bull in a China closet if I went inside. Anyways, Bryce Desner spends half of his time in Paris and the other half somewhere in the United States, I think. So on this record in the credits, you see that they had a number of string sessions, some in New York, some in Paris. A lot of that was Bryce his wife sings on the record, Lisa Hannigan sings on the record, Lisa Hannigan. I remember from Damien Rice O Fame back in 2002-2003. Beautiful voice. Definitely check out the National, I am easy to find. second record I want to talk about is Dedicated by Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen entered a lot of people's hearts with her banger of what many thought would be a one-hit wonder called Call Me Maybe. She has released four records. I think two of those are Emotion and Emotion Side B. Emotion was her record from 2015. Loved that record kind of came out of nowhere for me. There's some collaborations on that with Ariel Rekshad and Dev Hines. I think the Dev Hines connection is why I actually tried the record out and listened to it. We saw Carly Rae Jepsen live in March 2016 at Terminal 5. That was easily the gayest concert I've ever been to. Not a problem for me, but the crowd... Was extremely gay And in, this is back before Instagram stories The number of Snapchat stories that were happening around me Constantly the entire show Was pretty mind-blowing Fun gig Dev Hines came out I was thankful to see that Fan of Carly Ray, This record is Growing on me I listened listen to it in the car a bit I think it's a fun summer record She's doing two nights at Hammerstein Ballroom in July, July 17th and 18th. This album also features a song, Want You In My Room, that was produced by Jack Antonoff. And not my favorite record on the um, album. I I think it's okay. I thought maybe he's kind of like one of the it producers of the day. I'm also a huge fan of Bleachers and Fun, so... Always into whatever Jack does, but th- this song was just kind of alright for me. I enjoyed the song Too Much, which we just heard. You make my oh, you make my earthquake. Riding around, cause they'll be shaking me up and The third album I want to talk about is Igor by Tyler, the creator. Tyler can be a polarizing figure. So if you've heard of him, you may already have an opinion on him. This album isn't actually been reviewed by too many publications yet. There are stories I've read, though, that are more of a character study of Tyler than they are about this record. I think it has some decent music. I'm going to dive into it a little bit more. I don't know how much I'm going to, how crazy I'm going to go about it. I think it's okay, but it's definitely worth giving a listen uh, if you're interested in, especially if you were a fan of Odd Future and all things uh, Tyler, the Creator. He has a couple tracks. Um, One was trending on YouTube in the top 20, so there's definitely a fan base there for him. But Igor by Tyler, the Creator is uh, worth checking out if interested This week was somewhat light on concerts. We did see a concert, Seth and I, and if you listened last week, we met Seth. We saw Broken Social Scene at Webster Hall. Broken Social Scene was doing three nights, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Webster Hall. Webster used to be three performance spaces. The big shows that we're all used to, are uh, that area is called the Ballroom. That area is... I don't want to say it's unchanged Because it is cleaned up quite a bit And where the bar areas are Makes a little more sense It seems a little You know like I said Clean and straightened up The side rooms and bathrooms Are completely different So it used to be off to the side Of the ballroom There would be a unisex bathroom That also had an attendant That would be selling like Twizzlers And candies and stuff I actually I liked that portion because it had added some character to the room. Also, Webster wasn't just a concert venue; it was also maybe equally known for club nights and definitely the downtown dance scene. You know, we're losing a lot of that character downtown, and Webster was kind of like one of the last places that you know hearkened to the past a little more hedonistic. That I don't actually see any of that stuff coming back to Webster in its current form. A lot of those areas... Webster used to be that you would be going upstairs, and there was different rooms, and there was different places here and there. That's mostly gone. When you walked in previously, you'd walk up the steps, and there would be an initial room. That was called the Marlin Room. And it was indistinguishable from everything else on the club nights, but they would book shows there occasionally, I saw the band Aster, like A-S-T-R, play there during New Music Seminar in 2014. And off to the side of that, there was a bar that actually served like this square pizza. And there were these little rooms you could escape to. So like while the club's happening over here, you could be over here having some pizza. They actually have a football game on or something and there'd be some, there'd be a bar hang. So you could kind of find a different spot to hang out in. The bottom floor of Webster Hall, the part that's somewhat subterranean, was called the studio at Webster Hall. Goodbye, Picasso. My band actually played our album release show in 2010 for our album, The Book of Aileen, at the studio at Webster Hall. Little did we know that room would be going away. It seems like nothing below ground level is even usable at this point. I don't even actually think the stairs... Lead to anywhere right now. It seems like they have a bunch of garbage down there. Or I know they had to do a bunch of um, reinforcement work for the foundation itself and for the floors above. Webster is a much different place now. When you walk in, the Marlin Room is now just kind of open bar, lobby, waiting area. It's nice, and to make the ballroom the focal port focal point of Webster Hall makes sense. And it is a nice place to see a concert. It's just different. And I think it's lost a little bit of character um, in the process. That being said, seeing a room in the ballroom is very similar. They still have the second level where they have VIP. That's usually the press or friends of the band, etc. There were about 200 people up there for the Broken Social Scene show. So it still felt like, you know, a lot of shows normally did there. It just feels new in some sense, just a cleaner place to see concerts. Broken social scene was great. I think Friday night, you know, a lot of times when bands play multi-night runs, they'll bring out special guests certain nights. There's usually one night that stands out. And looking at the set list, that night had to have been Friday If you listen to the Broken Social Scene albums, you'll remember there's typically a featured female vocalist on a handful of songs. And those vocalists have been no joke. Amy Milan from Stars, Feist. Kevin Drew is really the lead singer of Broken Social Scene and really the leader of the whole pack. He and Feist were romantically involved for a number of years. Emily Haynes from Metric. Some of my favorite Broken Social Scene songs have a female vocal and it was Emily Haynes singing it. The records actually don't have a ton of songs that have those vocalists on them, but the songs are so good and the performances are so impactful. It makes you think that they're all all over the records, but they're not. So because of that, they actually don't go on tour with them that much. Plus they have other bands they're fronting. So when Broken Social Scene goes on tour now, Ariel Engel... Who is the wife of Andrew Whiteman, who's the guitar player who sings the song, Art House Director? She sings the vocal parts and they're fine. They're good. You know, it's broken social scene. But having Emily Haynes there is a really special occurrence, especially since they played Swimmers, which you never hear, and they played Hug of Thunder, and they played Anthems for a 17-year-old girl with her, which is as good as it gets. definitely one of their classic tunes seth and i got there 10 minutes into the opener set it was dave hill the comic but because we got there so early we were pressed up against the railing in the front row where we stayed all night i only had to defend my spot once i went to the bar to get a drink and when i came back somebody had stepped up into my spot and i said oh no and i got it right back fun time at Webster Hall, fun time seeing Brooklyn social scene. Sorry I didn't hit that Friday show, but oh well. I enjoyed the show we saw. Saturday night, I did not make it to Disclosure at Brooklyn Mirage. I was thinking about it pretty hard, but we ended up driving out to Brighton Beach and Manhattan Beach that day and by the time we got back, it was it was too late. I also I kind of realized that like Disclosure was going to do two or three hours because it wasn't just their music. They were doing a DJ set where they play their stuff and other people's stuff. And a friend of mine on Twitter posted some video from the show the next day and I got some serious FOMO. I wish I had gone. I'm infinitely curious about Brooklyn Mirage. It's this spot avant Gardner out in Bushwick. That's these four spaces and it has a 6,000 cap and they're booking everybody from the techno EDM DJ space, these huge artists to play this summer. They were operational last summer, but they got shut down by the health department. So I'm like really curious how this whole thing is set up, what it's like, what the venue's like. I know a lot of these DJ shows go super late. I mean there are times that like they go till five in the morning, six in the morning. At output, there were shows that went till nine in the morning. So I am just totally intrigued by what this Brooklyn Mirage stuff's going to be like, and I have those tickets to a show next month, Gorgon City, Totally Enormous, Extinct Dinosaurs, and others, where I'll definitely be there. Sorry I didn't hit that disclosure show. It looked really awesome. As always, we want to get you ready for the week ahead as pertains to concerts. Even if you don't go, it's nice to know what's happening and kind of what's hot in New York City right now. What happens throughout the year is that at the beginning of the year, stuff kind of, you know, seeps out. There's going to be shows here, shows there. there you, it's hard to get a complete picture of what the summer is going to look like and what the whole year is going to look like. Um, you get like fits and starts of venues will announce, you know, for a few months or somebody will announce a tour and a couple other people will. But then eventually you get to the point where everybody's on tour, it's summer, and <laughs> And there's something to do every night of the week. Now, granted, there are shows every night of the week in New York you can go see. But I like to like pare it down to the ones that are actually worth seeing. And it's at the point now where I can suggest a show basically every night of the week. That's probably going to be good. So starting with Monday. This is funny. The Obie Awards are at Terminal 5. So if you really are hankering for that, you can do that. Julia Michaels. You may know her from the song Issues. Is playing Bowery Ballroom That show sold out She could probably have played a bigger room than that Chromio on Monday is playing Webster Hall With a full band Big fan of their album White Women From 2014 That was a cool, cool record Be a really fun show on Monday at the Capitol Theater, MGMT and Warpaint, who are also gonna be in New York City later in the week for some Webster Hall shows, which which we'll get to. Monday at Hammerstein Ballroom, and also Tuesday is Juice World. If you're old like me, Juice World may not be on your radar. However, if you go to what's trending on Spotify, maybe the top 20 in the United States, top 20 in the world. He's the kind of artist that will have like seven out of the top 20 tracks. I still see your shadows in my room can't take back the love that I gave you It's to the point why love and I hate you and I cannot change you so I must replace you oh, said than done. I thought you were the one listening. It's to these my kids that get my head. viral on maybe SoundCloud or YouTube. Or TikTok, who knows? And then all of a sudden, they're instantly famous and selling out shows. He recently played The Joint in Las Vegas, and apparently it was sold out to The Walls. On Tuesday, also, Passion Pit, who we remember from 10 years ago, their album Manners... They're performing Manners, 10th anniversary, at Pier 17, which is the new South Street Seaport, which burned down and was rebuilt as Pier 17. I haven't been, so I don't have much to say about it, but Passion Pit, eh, they're they're okay. Tuesday and Wednesday, not for me, but if you're into Pink, she's playing masses Square Garden. Props where they're due, Pink has had a hit on the Billboard charts at least one a year for the past, I think 18 or 19 years, which no one else, I can't think of another person that's done that. If you know someone, let me know. But Tuesday and Wednesday at Madison Square Garden, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Webster Hall is MGMT and Warpaint. I love Warpaint. If you've never checked them out, it's a group of four women from Los Angeles. When I first heard them a couple records ago for some reason it reminded me of pablo honey era radiohead hard to explain why i like them but if you saw them they're just so good it's kind of i don't want to call it art rock but it is just like so good guitar driven rock and the vocals are amazing they're just really cool MGMT, I have no problem with live. A lot of people were displeased ten years ago when they were performing. You know the the record they had, "Oracular Spectacular," when kids was really popular, and and a hit. They'd always end the show with kids. And they'd play the whole show with a band. But for kids, they'd kind of like hit the laptop and then just sing it over it. I didn't care because the rest of the show, they were playing live and the band was pretty banging. But a lot of people, it turned them off. And they're still salty about it to this day, which I don't understand. So, whatever. Thursday, some more shows to consider. Odessa, O-D-E-S-Z-A, they're the EDM group from the Pacific Northwest. I actually discovered them, I downloaded the Beats music app, this is like four or five years ago, and was in the gym, and what Beats was good at was playlists, so you could be in the gym and click, you know, I need a workout playlist, and the first song I heard in that playlist was Say My Name by Odessa. playing the Walmart Theater I would not go out to the Walmart Theater for this I have a car now so it would be a little bit easier but they're good I have never seen them live I would prefer to see them at a Brooklyn Steel Terminal 5 would be tough because it would probably be packed and Terminal 5 is miserable when packed speaking of that Lizzo was playing on Thursday and I had a Terminal 5 she's really a rocket ship very curious to see what happens with her career I hope she continues on past this album I don't don't think she's a novelty I hope she keeps making music But right now she is just tearing it up She recently did two Sold out gigs at Brooklyn Steel Terminal 5 this week And she's playing two nights at Radio City In September So, rocket ship A show I might end up at On Thursday Derridorian is playing Public Records Which is a Space down in Gowanus Gowanus is is really kind of the spot right now. Williamsburg, if you're not aware, is very, very over. Bushwick's great. Gowanus really has the I don't know how to describe it because it's still an expensive neighborhood and it does have a lot of commerce in it, like that there is like the whole foods and stuff now and all that. but for a while, that place was no man's land and now. These places are kind of cropping up. These little bespoke rooms, and like there's little breweries everywhere over there. You know, same with um, Cobble Hill and Carroll Gardens and Red Hook. It's just I think Gowanus is still a little bit cool, and Williamsburg is having a hard time being cool. Angel Deradoorian was one of the singers in Dirty Projectors in their heyday, and when I say heyday, I mean. Bit of Orca, this is 10 years ago. When they lived in Brooklyn and they would do four nights, they do two at Bowery and two at Music Hall at Williamsburg. I was at a lot of those shows, and Angel D'Aradorian, Amber Kaufman, and Haley Deckel were the three female vocalists. Very virtuosic in the performances back then. On Bit of Orca, one of the standout tracks was um, Two Doves. Jim. Angel Dorian sang lead on. Since then, she's had a lot spacier music, a lot more experimental, and a lot more... Um, I really don't even know how to describe it. I'm actually really curious what she's up to. So she's playing a space called Public Records in Gowanus. And I may check that out on Thursday. Friday, Fortet is playing Knockdown Center. I've seen them open up for Radiohead before. Knockdown Center interesting spot because they're limited by their liquor license I actually did some digging online and figured out why they didn't have more shows there knockdown center which I think could fit two to three thousand people can only have sellout shows which is 1800 I think 12 or 14 nights a year any shows after that have to be I think a thousand or 1200 on top of that they have to provide shuttle service. Knockdown Center Knockdown Center is um, technically in Mass Path. If you go out Metropolitan Avenue in Williamsburg to the point where you pass pumps and then you're on like the west side of Ridgewood, eventually you'll just be in MassPath. and Knockdown Center is kind of like this industrial building on the left. They had to fight with the liquor license board and the community because the community didn't want people spilling out of this place and then having to walk three quarters of a mile to the Jefferson L stop. And so because of that, they have to limit the number of people, limit the number of shows they do that that can be sellouts. They have to provide shuttles from Knockdown to the L train. And then based on the number of people they have, they have to hire so many security guards and all that. Maybe that's common for venues, but it seems like they're like pretty restricted. There's an Explosions in the Sky show happening there this year that I'm definitely going to try to make my way into. But yeah, for Ted on Friday at knockdown center, Saturday, Greta van fleet is playing forest Hill stadium. Greta van fleet is not for me, but forest Hills is 12,000 people. This show has been on sale forever. There was a big sort of billboard thing on North 14th and wife, which is right over there by, formerly Output, and Brooklyn Bowl, kind of at the corner of Williamsburg and Greenpoint, for months. So they've been trying to sell this thing for months. For Hills, when a show doesn't sell out, the week of the show, they're basically giving away tickets for people to go. So I'm hoping that happens, and if that happens, I will probably check this out. Short of that, I will not. And then finally, Omar Apollo, who it hasn't completely... Turned over for me, where I'm like, yeah, this is this is a great artist. I like his stuff pretty good. Has some buzz around him. Vivo did like a Vivo Discover um, performance with him. Previous Vivo Discover artists are like Broods and Phoebe Bridgers, who I love. Omar Apollo though is playing Bowery on Saturday in Music Hall of Williamsburg on Sunday. Maybe check him out on Spotify or Apple Music, and then. Yeah, maybe you like him. Maybe maybe he's worth checking out. He's got some buzz around him. I I just haven't figured out what it is people love about him yet. But maybe that'll turn the page for me at some point. Yeah, so tons of stuff this week. Tons of stuff to check out. The summer, you know, it'll stuff will get filled in. You know, Jones Beach and. PNC Bank Art Center. There'll be some shows there. There'll be the Prospect Park shows. There will be the Central Park shows. It'll get to the point where definitely every weekend there'll be something to do. There's always like free shows that crop up. There's like different festivals that happen. It'll be a pretty exciting time. I mean, there are times when I look at the schedule ahead and I'm like, oh, there's nothing I want to see. And then all of a sudden... It's to the point where, like, wow, actually, I could go out every night of the week if I wanted to. I don't. I usually only do one or two. But especially when the Prospect Park stuff opens up, I'm going to try to hit that as often as possible. And I'm definitely, I have a car now, so I want to drive out to Jones Beach, and I've never seen a show there. I'm not going to do, like, a Jason Aldean or a, maybe the Billy Idol and Brian Adams. I don't know. We'll, We'll see who shows up there. I'm going to try to keep it not Dave Matthews ban this year, but you know we'll see. Anyways, those are the shows I recommend. On a closing note, just want to give a shout out to my wife's organization, Voters for Animal Rights. They are supporting legislation to ban the sale of fur in New York City. They have the hashtag on all the platforms, FurFreeNYC, and they have FurFreeNYC.com. If that interests you, please follow them and... If you want to help out, I'm sure you can. But very proud of her and looking forward to having a more cruelty-free New York City. I think we can all agree on that. That's it for the week.